Our scripture is one verse, actually one half of a sentence in the text found in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Even in a short text, every word counts, especially in a short text does every word count. So the first word I wanted to take a look at is the word anxiety. What is being said here? It's translated care in the old King James that I memorized growing up. See, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. And the reason, of course, is it's the same word. Anxiety in our text here, or anxieties, is the same word for cares. He cares for you, the verbal form, in the second half of the phrase. So it makes sense to say, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. It's a good translation. And it's also kind of poetic. But also the word can mean anxieties. In our modern way of looking at things, the Psychologists have moved us kind of in the direction of we sort of couple together anxieties and fears, and they do have a relationship to each other, and fears are an incredible part of our lives. In fact, we explore the nature of our fears constantly in understanding why we feel the way we do and why we behave the way we do. What are we afraid of? What are our concerns and our anxieties? It's also translated burdens. Uh, as I was working through some books, I found a little, a little pad, a piece of paper from a pad that marked my place. I don't remember what I was studying back then, but as I pulled it out, I noticed it was a little, it looked almost like a prescription pad, but it was from our counseling ministry here at PCPC, and it had that little verse quoted at the top of it. It said, burdens, cast your burdens upon the Lord, for He cares for you. Last week, we looked a little bit about what it means that the Lord cares for us. We looked at probably the most unlikely object of God's care that you could possibly imagine. And that is the bond woman who was cast out. We looked at the story of Hagar in the Old Testament. There when Sarah cast her out and we saw the loving care of the Lord for her and for her child, Ishmael. The last person in the world you would think that the Lord would care for would be Hagar, a woman whose life was completely outside the will of God and outside the bounds of morality and sadly outside the particulars of the covenant. But yet God's care for her was tender and it was throughout her lifetime and it was perpetual. God cares he cares for you. He cares for us. In fact, that's why when Chad was explaining to me how we were going to treat these two Sunday sermons with this one short verse, he said, we're going to take the second half first. He said, because that's the basis of everything. We're able, we're called upon to cast our cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. We have to know that. You have to know that our God is a loving, caring God. He sees, 
He hears. He knows. And He cares for us. Now the word that uh, is translated anxieties or cares or burdens, it means cares, anxieties, concerns, things worried about. It is the cares of life. As we'll see in just a moment, Jesus spells it out a little bit in the Sermon on the Mount of these particular types of cares and worries. The thing that probably helps me to understand it the best is a little quotation from Dr. Bultman in Kittle's Dictionary. He says, these are the things that keep you awake at night. That's what we're talking about. The cares, the concerns, the anxieties, the fears, the burdens, the thing that weighs you down, the thing that causes you to lose sleep, that wakes you up in the middle of the night or causes you to not have the rest that you need. Now, as I am often want to do, I will insist that a large portion of the New Testament is either a direct quotation or a real strong allusion to the Old Testament. This is too. It's in Psalm 55. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. You say, that's a a hearty statement. That's a good, healthy thing to be thinking of. Well, let me give you the context of this psalm for just a moment. It's a psalm of David, and it's a maskil, which means it's one of David's instruction psalms. And it deals with a single subject throughout. And it is the subject of betrayal. He said, For it is not an enemy who taunts me that I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolent with me that I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. This was a friend, a close friend. Someone that worshipped with David, someone that counseled with David, someone that was a confidant of David, but he had betrayed David. And as I often counsel you when you read the Psalms and interpret them to find three people in the Psalm at all times. Find David or the psalmist, whoever it might have been. Try to learn as much as you can about the context and the historical situation that was the origin of the Psalm. And the subject and what the psalm is dealing with. But then look to the psalm to find Christ. And then finally look to the psalm to find yourself. And that's what we have in this psalm as well. This is a psalm that speaks of the betrayal of Christ by Judas. If there was any one thing that would break a heart, it would crush a soul, it is to have a friend, a close friend, as the scripture says here, says it was an equal, a companion, a familiar friend, one that had taken sweet counsel together and had walked in God's house among the throng. Lots of people in a throng, a throng is a crowd, 
But this was a special friend. And the special friend had betrayed. I think one of the things that would have been the subject of anxiety for Christ, especially we see it as it begins to reach a crescendo of all of the woes and all of the burdens and all of the the things that are placed upon Christ and his psyche comes under woeful torment so that he becomes, as he says, sorrowful unto death in Gethsemane was the notion that he was going to be betrayed. The prayer in the garden was between the event where Jesus looked at Judas, who, by the way, took the bread but did not take the blood, and looked at Judas and said, That thou doest, do quickly. And Judas got up and left the group there in the upper room, right in the middle of the Lord instituting the Lord's Supper. He went out from us because he was not of us. And he went out and betrayed the Lord. And it was then that the Lord went over to the garden a little while later there in Gethsemane and prayed. And then Judas came with the temple guard and with those that arrested Jesus and bound him and and took him to the Sanhedrin and to to Pilate. But listen to the way the psalm starts. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint, and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. And they trouble, they drop trouble upon me. In anger they bear a grudge against me. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling has come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. That sound like Jesus in the garden. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. But I call to God. The Lord will save me. Evening and morning and noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and He hears my plea. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage and from many are arrayed against me. God will give ear. And then he says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. And the very last sentence of the psalm says, but I will trust in you. We'll get back to that in just a moment. I will trust in you. It's part of walking by faith. The admonition of Scripture is not deflect your anxieties. It's not avoid your anxieties. It's not belittle your anxieties. The admonition of Scripture is not for you to try to redefine and explain away your anxieties, your cares, your burdens, and your troubles, your fears, the things that keep you awake at night. You've got those. They come upon you in the human circumstance. They're part of your frame. But he tells you what to do with them. And that is to take them to the Lord. And casting, um, I thought when I first looked that up, it might be one particular Greek word. It turned out to be another one when I actually looked at the text. And 
And this is what is happening in the prayer here that David's praying that I believe was the heart of Jesus' prayer in the garden. It's, this is how you cast your cares upon the Lord. You, you articulate them. You, you try to identify them. You deal with them within your heart and within your soul. You, you move toward bringing them to Him in prayer. You wrestle with them. You struggle with them. But you come in faith. You come believing. You come believing that the Lord cares for you and that He will hear your prayer. You come in faith believing that the Lord will take your anxiety, take your care, and put them upon Himself. I think probably what the believer needs, and, and Paul and Jesus both uh, deal with this, and we'll deal first with what Paul says. I think what the believer needs principally is a, a perspective of, of where our cares and our anxieties are. Uh, they're certainly part of our human experience. They're part of our daily life. It's hard to get rid of them. Some people have, my mother was a born worrier. That's the way she put it. <laughs> She worried about everything. She was a born worrier. She fretted, but she also worked. And she also would strive to meet the needs and to overcome the, the problems. And I think that's what the scripture calls us to do. Nowhere does it say that we are relieved of these duties. This is not a flippant thing. Just cast your cares upon the Lord. I think it is a, is a struggle through the eyes of faith with a confidence in God that probably will take us all the days of our life. We may have our last care, our last anxiety, our last burden to once again try to bring before the Lord and to cast upon Him the minute before we draw our last breath. I don't think we're ever going to be out from under this, this burden not in this lifetime. But that's the, that's the perspective. To deal with a lot of that stuff, we have to have a life perspective that looks beyond this life. Living in this life, worrying about food and raiment and, and, uh, and, and all kinds of the cares of this life, we're living like the Gentiles live, Jesus said. You're living just like those that are outside the covenant, those that don't have the promises of God, those that don't know how to walk by faith, those that don't know and trust a good and a gracious God. You're living with a mundane, a worldly perspective. You've got to have something other than that. And I noticed something when I was sort of looking through through the scriptures on this is kind of interesting. When Paul says in Philippians 4, when he deals with this subject, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know many of you have made that part of your devotional life. That's a life verse for you. But did you notice that the very phrase that goes before, where he says, do not be anxious about anything. The very phrase before that, in the verse before it is, the Lord is at hand. The reality of the presence of God 
the reality of knowing of the nearness of God, to knowing that he is but a silent prayer away. He is never, never beyond arm's length to his children. The Lord is at hand. He is near. His presence is near. Even his coming to us is promised to be near. And Paul brings up the subject in another context in 1 Corinthians. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. I want you to be free from anxieties. In context, <laughs> Paul's talking about marriage. Mm -hmm. Y'all know that. It's 1 Corinthians 7. He's talking about the advantages, the disadvantages of being married and, and all of the, the things about that. And I won't discuss any of that this morning. We don't have time and I don't, and I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> so that's a good reason not to talk about it. But right in the middle of all of that, anxiety, fraught condition of life, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. But the phrase right before that, the verse, the last sentence of the verse right before it, he says, for the present form of this world is passing away. There's perspective. There's more to it than the here and the now. There's more to our existence. There's more to our life. There's more to our allotment. There's more to the blessing than the here and now. Now I want you to hear the words of Jesus. And since we had a short scripture reading, I'll read the passage. It's a, about a dozen verses. It's very familiar to you, but notice a couple of things as I read. I won't, I'm not going to expound it. I'm just going to read it as I conclude. But notice that three times Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. You'll hear that three times in this passage. You will also hear him make three references to your heavenly Father. I hear the words of the Lord. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how will he not much more clothe you? Oh, listen to this. Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Listen to this change of perspective. But seek first the kingdom of God in His righteousness and all these things, food, drink, raiment, protection, all these things will be added to you. 
Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I said I was done, but I thought of one more thing. (laughs) In that verse, Peter says, cast all your care on Him. He didn't say just cast your care away. He didn't say just cast your care at the couch of the psychologist and psychiatrist. He didn't say just cast your care away in some ritual ceremony. He didn't say just cast your care away by refusing to think about it. Just dismiss it. Don't let it trouble you. No, he gave us a place to put that anxiety on who? Christ. On him. He bore that and he bears that for us.